This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we bring in Jim Lang and Chad Morgenstern to talk SPC1 numbers on the new A700S platform. Spoiler alert, it's a lot. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. How's everybody doing today? Glenn, how are you doing? Glenn. Glenn. Okay, Glenn's not here. Andrew. So lonely. They're not here today. I'm doing this solo. Uh, Today I have brought in a couple people, though, uh, to talk about something very important, very special, uh, the SPC numbers that have been released for the A700S. So uh, first I'll introduce the man that is sitting next to me on my right, Chad Morgenstern. Tell us who you are at NetApp, what you do here, and uh, a little bit about yourself. All right, Justin. I'm uh, Chad Morgenstern. I'm a senior engineer here at NetApp. I'm in the workload engineering team. Uh, we are of late of the performance engineering team at NetApp. One of our main focuses is to determine um, when TechMart comes around, uh, what are the best solutions, best implementations, and can we meet the numbers, and how we make it better. All right, that's, that's what we do. All right. So also with us today is Jim Lang. I said that right, right? That's right. Okay, Jim Lang. And uh, Jim, what do you do here at NetApp? Well, everything Chad said. <laughs> I work on the workload engineering team also, so uh, benchmarking and performance and working with workloads that are uh, more customer-focused uh, versus uh, always doing benchmarks that are uh, industry standard benchmarks, so a little bit of both on the team. All right, so we brought you in here today because there is a release that's coming up for the uh, A700S platform. Um, and when we, whenever we get a new release, we make sure we test it thoroughly to see what our numbers look like because we really are interested in seeing how well it's going to do when it gets out there. And usually what we use to do that are standardized tests, right? And there's, there's industry standard tests out there, one of them being the SPC1 standard test. Um, I'm going to let one of you guys talk a little bit about what that test is and, and go into detail about what we're expecting from it. Well, SPC-1 is, is, as you said, an industry standard test, and it's something that ourselves and other competitors over the years have used to, uh, to benchmark hardware, storage hardware, and uh, it's a good way to see where a platform falls in terms of the performance spectrum that you, you, know, you may expect from the high end to, to you know, lower end and anything in between. So it's a, a benchmark that's industry standard and well-known in the industry competitors as, net, as well as NetApp. So. And this uh, the A700S, this is the all-flash FAS platform, the newest one that's coming out, right? It's the all-flash FAS. It's a 4U chassis with a 24-drive capability or capacity within the within the box. So two controllers or an HA pair in a 4U form factor with 24 drives integral in the chassis, which is fairly new. So this is our compact model. That's it. Compact yeah. only in terms of space, not in terms of ops performance. Well, we'll, cost. we'll get to that. I just wanted. To... Well, those are the fun things. So, so when you when you think about like cars, like, let's talk about cars. So hatchbacks, right? There's hatchbacks out there. There's the Golf. There's the the, the Mazda three, right? And they have speed versions. They have the sports versions where you get all the features and all the horsepower and all the you can tune them and all that good stuff. The A700S, I look at as a one of those speed hatchbacks, right? It's 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 compact, but it's, it's there for the density. Um, and with density, we also you know can incorporate 
large drives, you know, the large flash drives, and they're getting larger and larger and larger now. We're up to like 16 terabytes, right? Mm -hmm. So the A700S is our compact model that is also big on performance. So let's talk about this performance. So the SPC numbers, uh, you, you did the official numbers, and uh, they are yet to be published, right? They're, they'll be published soon. As we record this podcast, they have not been published. But what did we get? Well, we got, I guess, in the official parlance, we got a, a little over 2.4 million SPC1 IOPS. And for those that really want to know the exact number, it was uh, 2,400,059.26 SPC1 IOPS. Pretty amazing numbers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and I'm go on the record and say he didn't memorize that. I see him reading it. <laughs> it's a teleprompter. Got the big um, prompter. So let's put that number into perspective, right? So let's talk about what we've done before here at NetApp with our all flash fast platform and the SPC numbers. Well, I'll talk to that. I was here about a year and a half ago doing the same exact thing we're doing now. Um, so a year and a half ago, we released the 8080. Uh, it became the all-flash-fast variant not soon after the release of the SPC itself. On that release, we did 685,000 IOPS, and that was at 1.23 milliseconds latency. Now we're doing, as Jim said, just over 2.4 million compared to the 65. And that's at, what do we say here, Jim? Latency? latency? Yeah. Just yeah. under 0 0.7 milliseconds average latency? So let's talk about the SPC test itself. Does it it simulates workloads? Uh, what sort of workload is this simulating? Is is there anything comparable out there that people do in a real world environment that this simulates? This is supposed to be a database. Uh, it's working after a data warehouse. As sorry, a warehousing, not data warehouse. Warehouse as in manufacturing warehouses, as in big industry place where they have lots of stuff and they sell lots of stuff and pull lots of stuff. The I/O is mostly 4K random. Uh, it's a large percentage write, uh, less percentage read, with a sequential right component as well. What protocol are we using here? FCP. FCP. What kind of, uh, are we using the newer large, like 32 gig pipes or? The data path is a 16 gig in this test. Okay. Based on the hardware we have, the, the, the A700S does support the 32 gigabit. Okay. We, are we going to see any 32 gig testing at any point? Can't or comment at this can't point. Can't comment at this yeah. point? Okay. Yeah, the workload itself was not that heavy throughput. The I.O. was predominantly 4K, so throughput wasn't really a concern for okay, us. Okay, so, so the 32 degree. gig wouldn't really bias anything in that case. No, right. we looked at it, actually, but the cost would increase it, so it really wasn't worth it for us here. Um, some other interesting technologies we adopted here compared to the, 80, the 8080 from a couple years ago was we went to a quad path per shelf. So each storage node had four ways into the shelf. So in this case, we had um, – well, let's, let's talk about the architecture for a second, shall we? Sure. So we have – 12 nodes, so six HA pairs, uh, so a cluster of 12 nodes, six HA pairs, which is new. Uh, we, in the past, we stopped at eight nodes for a cluster size supporting FCP. Now we can go up to 12 nodes, which is a big scale, up 50% increase, increase in node count, which is, which is phenomenal. Um, each head, each storage node this time, let me, put the, let me change that. Each HA pair shares a single shelf, and that's an internal shelf. Two years ago, um, we went after large capacity, but the drives were smaller back then, um, and cost per cost per op, the kind of thing. We had four shelves of HA, four shelves of drives per HA pair. Now one shelf per HA pair, so significant pairing down. In the past, we had multipath HA, so each storage node had two paths to each shelf. This time, we have four paths to each shelf. So on top of that, on top of reducing the drive to host plus adapter count by a factor of two that way, we also increased our, um, our speed 
our SaaS channels from 6 gigabit before to 12 gigabit now. So there's a massive increase in, in SaaS channel speed and in path count to each drive. So it is a phenomenal thing where we scaled up in terms of capacity, but we scaled down in terms of, uh, of node count, shelf count, drive count, latency, what is it, cut in half approximately with IOP increasing by four count. It's awesome. And here we had 144 drives. I don't know how many drives you had in your old config from a few years ago. So that was 24 times, so 96 per HA pair times eight. Okay. So before the density was a little larger, it, wasn't, it definitely wasn't for you, right? We were looking at maybe almost an entire rack, potentially. Capacity as far, density as far as per rack density. Yeah, the, the, the rack density, yep. Two racks. Two racks. Okay, so we're, we're compacting more IOPS and lower latency into not even half a rack. 24U now, it's amazingly yeah. compact. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. So um, as far as the, the platform itself, I mean, well, let me, add, let me add something else on that. So you talked about quad path. Mm-hmm. That also buys us resiliency, right? It's it an does. extra path for failover, so that's good. So the platform itself, I mean, how when you're running this test, how tasked are the nodes? Like how, how much CPU are we seeing? Um, are we maxing it out? Are we able to do any more? Is there any more headroom performance on that as you're doing this? I mean, is it, are you pushing it all the way? What's, what's going on with the nodes? Well, just informally, it, it certainly could do more. Uh, we, you know, we, we sort of have targets of reasonable latency or you know, a good-looking latency number at a good high IOPS value. Um, in informal testing, certainly we could have somewhat higher IOPS and with latency you know, slightly increasing. We did not do the testing that sort of pushes it to the absolute edge to the point where you know, latency goes skyrocketing or something like that. So uh, it is capable of more. That's good. Sure. So, we're, so we're able to push that many IOPS and still have a little bit of room to squeeze a little more out of it, maybe host some MP3s, I guess, stuff. <laughs> Do people still use the MP3s? No? no? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I knew a guy once who was fired for that. I did you? Yeah, he hosted his, his, uh, his <laughs> music collection on the storage array for our company for his own purposes. He was selling it. That wasn't good. He was selling it? He was selling the services. Uh, it was not good. That's the that's, part that probably hurt him. Yeah, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> So uh, with the testing you do, do you do any spinning drive testing or is it now all flash testing? Do you do any more? Do you even care any more about the, the spinning drive, the SAS drives, that sort of thing? What have we done recently with spinning drives? I'm trying to think of that too. I don't, I don't know. You know our team's, know. Our team's uh, charter is mostly performance, getting the best IOP, the lowest latency that makes sense for the application. Um, we've, we haven't really looked at, at spinning drives in a while. Yeah, and I was just asking because that kind of just drives home the point of where everything's headed, especially when you talk performance, right? I mean, and a lot of people are already aware of it, the flash stories, but um, just to kind of further drive that home, the testing itself for performance benchmarking, we don't even think about that anymore. I find it interesting that the largest SSD capacity out there now is larger than the largest spinning drive capacity, and that not too long ago that wasn't true. Yeah, oh, it's, it's way larger. Person. Yeah, like I think what uh, spinning drives are at what ten terabytes now? Ten, maybe yeah. tw- maybe twelve out yeah. there in the rumor mill or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, right, and the SSDs are getting larger. I think Samsung or somebody came out with a ninety something terabyte drive at some point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely getting much denser, um, but the performance still stays there. So let's talk performance and yeah. the staying there part. Yeah. Just like last time, we wanted to go after a couple of metrics, uh, not just performance, not just IOPS. 
but we wanted to do it like a customer would do. We wanted to fill the box up. We wanted to consume the capacity. We went to 80, what was it, 85% capacity? Right. 85% capacity of the aggregates. So we filled up the discs, right? Um, we ran the test for a long time. We did a, what was it? What was the duration? Uh, the main duration was about 18 hours. It's actually a fair amount longer for some of the, uh, the other tests that follow the main test, but the, the core of the test is 18 hours plus. How long does that test by itself take? Were you rerunning the test over and over again, or we were to run a full one is, is clo- close to over thirty hours. Okay, including all the sort of the the steps that the SPC one benchmark does to set things up, uh, establish communication with all the clients, and then you know run such and such mean tests, and then run a few uh, some secondary tests and set up run tests, set up run tests, uh, all part of the automation of the way the uh, the tool works. But it does take I think it was over thirty hours. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the test itself. Like, what when you try to get something qualified in the SPC, how what, what sort of standards do you have to follow? What sort of rules are there to get it to count? Well, there is uh, the SPC One Council, and they have a publication. Uh, I think the term we just used for it is specification document, and it's version 1.14, I believe, of the spec that we're right. working with. And that really is probably the Bible of what you look at to uh, to run an, a a valid and auditable test. So we, we you know conform to that spec. All right. So let's take a break from talking about the SPC one numbers with Chad and Jim, and we're going to bring in Andy Grimes here. And actually, Glenn is in the studio as well. We recorded this separately. You know, we're we're revealing the studio magic here. Oh no, the curtain is pulled back. I well, can see Oz. Yeah, so like the previous in, in the show that I did record without you, it was basically like calling out like I was like, "Hey, Glenn, Glenn." You know, I believe that. Yeah. Anyway, so we brought in Andy Grimes, Mister Flash, to talk about the new platform that's coming out this week, uh, the A seven hundred S. Is that like this the uh, sport version of it? Slim model, I believe, is what marketing oh, was thinking, but I was not involved in that discussion. <laughs> it, uh, for me, it's always S for sexy. I always think I like the cars, right? You know, like the the R200S. S is in sport. sport. Yeah. Hey, in this context, all of these analogies work. They do. We actually made an analogy to the the hot hatch uh, before in the previous show, because this is essentially what the A700S is. It is your sportier model of the A700 because it's small and compact and still has all the power of your Dodge Charger version of the A700. So, Andy, uh, without further ado, tell us all about the A700S. Well, the A700S is a great platform. It's actually kind of comical because we we uh, intended to do the A700S as the highest end uh, AFF platform because people kept asking us for density and flash. And I want density. I, I want my whole data center and four rack units. Can can you give me those 32 terabyte SSDs in the same system? And and you know we're not really used to that in storage. Everybody wants, hey, I want I want one disk per shelf and stripe everything and carefully. And yeah. flash has been so incredibly reliable. We've actually seen the densities come up. But ironically, we had a bunch of customers come back to us after asking us for the 6U AF- AFF8080 platform and ask us for the second chassis. And we asked why, and they said, we want more connectivity options. The Array's controllers are so damn fast that they were overloading 16-gig fiber channel ports. Mm. And that production workloads were having problems sharing and that the only way to really control them, and quality of service is a great tool for you know increasing the density in a, in a system by putting more workloads in the same disk. But in terms of the ports, they were still seeing some bottlenecks or some perceived bottlenecks in the network yeah. stack. So we went back to and looked at the uh, the Livermore platform that we were doing for the uh, AFF 700, uh, excuse me, the A700 platform for AFF. And uh, 
it was perfect. You know, 20 PCIe slots, and we said, we'll, we'll give you the mini fridge model, as one of customer of mine actually said. And I laughed about it. He said, yeah, you, you put, gave me the, the A700 mini fridge model. Where's the dense platform? And he wanted, you know, for you with 32 terabyte SSDs in the controller. And I said, were you abused with data center space as a child? And he said, in <laughs> fact, I was early in my career. I spent all my time chasing rack space. Now with Flash, none of that's an issue. And that's really where we come into. The A700 and the A700S are phenomenal platforms for cores and RAM and density. Whether you want the connectivity options of the future of the A700, which is kind of the data center platform, or the service provider platform, or whatever other you know business where you're really density-driven, that's the A700S. But as the SSDs got larger, and that's actually one of the really cool things we've done, um, we jointly engineered solutions with Samsung called Multistream Writes. We've actually worked very closely with them. Multistream Writes basically doubles the performance of the SSDs while improving write uh, longevity. And okay. that was something that we actually worked with them jointly to put in the SCSI spec, and it's already approved. We're actually working with them again to extend that spec into oh, other protocols that will be supported in the near future. But uh, we've actually made – we're the only vendors to implement multi-stream write. Everyone else has decided to stick with whatever appropriate architectures they have for theirs. Um, so we've got advantages in how we get performance out of individual SSDs already today. The A700S takes advantage of that, as does the A700. But when you think of doing 32 terabyte SSDs with double the performance inside the controllers, that's where things get really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, like we're doubling the density and performance in the same generation. It's kind of crazy. Yep. We haven't announced the 32 terabyte drives yet, but we've actually, the multi-stream rights apply to the 960s and to the 15.3 terabytes we're already shipping today. And there have been criticisms that, you know, the 15.3 terabyte drives are too dense for the amount of I.O. you get out of them. Well, great. We're solving that problem by optimizing the performance we get out of the drives. And these are 12 gig SAFs attached, Yeah, which 24 of them is enough to overload the controllers. Um, which I find hysterical because, you know, as the podcast we recorded on NVMe, you do put NVMe drives in a, tr- in a controller, and what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to hit that bottleneck with six. Well, that's where scale-out really becomes required, and that particular vendor who loves to talk about NVMe doesn't scale out. So I'm like, you're basically encouraging your customers to walk right into a brick wall. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking of, like, the you, you ever watch, see the Dagwood sandwiches? Yeah, Blondie. Yeah, and you just squish them down. Mm-hmm. That's Flash to me. <laughs> In some ways, that's absolutely the A700s. It's a Dagwood sandwich. Yeah, we we just took like the biggest, baddest, scariest thing you could possibly imagine when it comes to storage, and said, "Now let's make it to you because we like challenges." Yeah, yeah. yeah we're we're seeing six hundred and fifty thousand IOPS under a millisecond. In some cases, you know, we're seeing good four hundred. 400,000 IOPS under 300 microseconds, which is somewhere that no one can touch us right now except, oh, the the ironic old fastest platform that came from a particular three-letter vendor. They put so much code on top of it now, it's no longer faster. Um, but uh, and we've got dedupe and compression, and uh, hopefully we'll be posting a benchmark shortly. Uh, I'm not going to mention the name of it because it's still being reviewed, but uh, it, it's posting tomorrow, so we'd better have it done. But uh, yeah, we did a benchmark with the A700S with uh, a couple of uh, really cool things there. We've got one of the fastest HA pair platforms on the planet. And then on top of that, we've uh, scaled it out to 12 nodes in a SAN architecture. Which yeah, let's, let's pick that apart a little bit because that, that's, that's actually super important. Yeah, so I came from a SAN background, and you know, there's always been this mystical number that you've run into. Um, you know, I used to do Solaris testing, which was the magic number of a of a logical volume group. Uh, but the mystical number in SAN was always eight. 
that was how many you know initiators you could you could really get from the host. Yeah. And that's really important to understand is back in the day when I tested IBM SAN volume controller, we had eight nodes. We had eight fiber channel ports per node. We have a hell of a lot of connections out there. But, you know, as of VMAX, uh, the VMAX 3 and the all-flash VMAX, you're still limited to eight nodes. Um, that's been persistent all the way through because of how SAN failover works. It doesn't yeah. like round robining, you know, even with a Lua and all the advanced functions or your MPIOs or your, um, you know, your your failover drivers, your power path from EMC, it still does not like more than eight, eight initiators. Um, and that's what we're really seeing out there is, is um, with ONTAP uh, 9.0, we went to a 12-node SAN. And so now we can do basically uh, six HA pairs of the A700S will give you the performance. Like when, when, you, when you take a step back and you start to take a look at, at, at what this next generation delivers from an architectural perspective, the amount of capabilities that, that, that we're providing, you know, <laughs> literally, right? 12 nodes of, of AFF SAN in a, well, no, 12 would be 24U, It's right? 24U. Yeah. Yeah. So in 24 rack units, including the storage capacity, we can give you, you know, 12 HA pairs. We can do about 17.2 gigabytes per second out of a single HA pair. Yeah, that was two racks in the previous generation, right? I mean, um, at least two racks. Yes, yeah. I'm just saying, like, t- trying to put this in perspective. That's, so, not, that's not even a full rack. Like, 24U is yeah. not even full. It's like, what, 32 in a rack? And, and that's been really interesting for Flash because we've seen people, you know, the, fl- the performance is kind of a given, although was it? You know, we used to be satisfied with latencies under a millisecond. If it was sometimes under a millisecond, now we're actually architecting applications for 500 microseconds and using quality of service to, to get get to that performance and kind of, kind of keep it. Um, but what we're starting to see is is people are buying flash arrays for DR. You know, I had one customer who bought it for the DR site. And it was hysterical. I'm like, oh, you bought flash. Where'd you put it? Oh, it's in the DR facility. Oh, okay. What's production? Spinning disk. Why did you put it in DR? Well, we're saving $18,000 a month on rack units just on the co-location facility cost. So density is becoming kind of its own end in Flash. But that being said, we can also give you performance beyond anything you really know what to do with. And as part of the same announcement, we're talking about our A200, which is also 24 drives into U, including the controllers with uh, some of the fastest performance on the market. Uh, POCs with the A200 were already beating the, f- the largest EMC Unity Flash platforms. Uh, with the A700S uh, and the A700, which have similar performance, we're beating uh, four-engine VMAXs at POCs. Uh, we've got you know pure M70s that are going up against A700s and just getting crushed. So you know we're not used to being the fastest, baddest boy on the block. And if we need any help, we just scale out another HA pair. And I can take that all the way up to 12 nodes if we need to. So we can go places in performance that no one ever expected us to. It's, it's, and it, it's crazy because I can remember sitting in this, literally this very seat two years ago. And when we did the, the EF540 podcast and, and, and the, the EF team had just posted their SPC1 number and their super low latency. And it, the line that, that we dropped in that, in that recording was the race to zero has begun. And, and at least inside NetApp, that has been taken incredibly seriously. And, and watching what the ONTAP team in particular, I'm a broken record at this point. I've made this point on this show four or five times now, but I'm still so wildly impressed because, as you said, we started this journey. We were happy just to get underneath one millisecond. We had, we had a data ONTAP, running flash drives. We were able to deliver protocol workload in under a millisecond. That was an achievement. Two years later, a millisecond is like a bad op. It's like, what happened? Why is that so high? 
Yeah, you know, it's it's completely reset expectations, and now we're shooting for half of that. And, and we're seeing the applications architected for it, which has been the most interesting thing. And there are a number of vendors, you know, I won't pick on a particular vendor, but some of them have latencies that go, you know, as high as, as 5, 10 milliseconds with flash. And that's not enough to cut it in some of these applications. You know, in some environments, just the efficiencies and the densities are good enough. But in flash, true flash database type acceleration workloads, you need to be able to maintain that consistently through takeover events, et cetera. Um, Our EF series is still there, and we're still doing some performance improvements there. Right now, we can kind of get down to about 120 uh, microseconds. But we think we'll be able to go even even lower than that in future generations of technology. So we're getting to the point where, you know, we used to be intimidated by a platform like IBM purchased Texas Memory Systems, which used to be just the baddest, fastest boy on the block. Oh, yeah. With all the code they've layered on top of it to get efficiencies, it's no longer the case. And we're, we're not having any problems with them in, in POCs any longer. But the market's really changing. The flash is becoming mainstream. It's becoming kind of the data center standard. You need your efficiencies. You need your, your data protection capabilities. And now you need your hybrid cloud capabilities. Um, I had a fascinating meeting uh, last week in New York City with a hedge fund did a uh, hardware portfolio overview with um, their entire hardware team. Then I went to lunch and sat across the uh, this, the uh, table from their director of IT. All during the hardware conversation, it was speeds and feeds and all the usual conversations. And we had great differentiation in conversations around that. As soon as I sat down with lunch, that guy's whole world was hybrid cloud. Of What's course. AWS? What's yeah. Azure? I need my on-prem to be as efficient as possible, but I've got to figure out how to control and manage the data in AWS. And that was really a good dovetail of, of how we're seeing this. We want your on-prem to be as efficient and fast as possible. We've got the benchmark works that you know, we'll be talking about with Chad, Chad and uh, Scott. Um, we'll be seeing those performance numbers come out. Um, but really what it's coming down to is, is we are making your on-prem in your data center as efficient as possible and then allowing it to extend and expand into the cloud where needed, whether that's AWS, Azure, SoftLayer, um, potentially Google and other vendors are also being looked at. Um, we're the only vendor trying to do that. Everyone else is stuck on-prem. Yeah, I also like how, how that, that endeavor has, has recently gone multifaceted. You know, it's, 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 there's several different investments in, in looking at several different ways of, of how the cloud invests itself in, in modern IT and, and how our customers need to leverage that. You know, it's not just being able to, to get our own platforms in there so, so that you can take those on-prem systems and, and communicate with something that's running up into, inside a hyperscaler or a hosted cloud, but also, you know, being able to intelligently offload some data when you need to and, and be able yeah. to pull it back in and repatriate when you want to and be able to control those costs no matter what. You know, all in all, it's absolutely coming together. Yeah, I'm see- seeing a lot of customers really, really liking it. You know, two years ago, I think we we kind of announced our intentionality. Now we're actually delivering content. And what's fascinating to me is it used to be a spinning disk versus cloud. Yeah. And now it's a flash with a really differentiated on-prem solution. Performance in places you can't possibly get to in the cloud applications with guaranteed performance models and predictability. And then the ability to use that data in the cloud. Uh, but you start talking about six-year lifespan of solutions on-prem with TCO ROI built in. That completely changes your cost model versus what's in the cloud. And whether that's on-prem or NetApp private storage and Equinix, you have a really cool model. I actually was looking at a, a cost modeling that showed us as um, – one-tenth the cost of NPS versus an AWS solution per terabyte per month. And flash, and that was flash-based. So you can get some really, really great economics around it. 
And, and that's what ultimately we want to help our customers do. You know, there's lots of sexy widgets out there in technology, but the business problem's got a dollar sign around it. Absolutely. We need to help them do that. I don't know. I'd rather pay more money and get less performance. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the density and, you know, overall just how we can use that density to our advantage. Because with density, that gives us more capacity. And with capacity, we can throw more at it. So how are we solving the problems of our big data and analytics customers to you know, leverage ONTAP within their environment? How are we doing that today? So we've had a, a long history of doing NFS high-performance environments with customers. You know, EDA, genomics, um, we've had a lot of very successful deployments. Uh, the problem is, is and, and I'm going to say this politically incorrectly, a lot of those applications suck. They can't deal with subdirectories. So we thought a 100 terabyte volume would be sufficient for uh, the largest environments. Uh, and we were very quickly announced, you know, informed that, nope, that was not the case, that people wanted, you know, petabyte scale objects. Uh, people were using file systems like GPFS, which requires, you know, a team of, of uh, astronauts to come in and help set that up for you and, and manage using uh, Ouija boards, et cetera. Um, we came out with uh, infinite volumes was our first attempt at this. And infinite volumes had a little bit of a bottleneck in it. You could create very, very large NAS archives of up to petabyte sizes, but it put all the I.O. through a single volume. And we've come back uh, this time with a, a solution called Flex Groups, and it's an ONTAP 9.1. And in, and in NetApp fashion, it's released uh, retroactively through software upgrade, which is one of the really cool things. that We focus on software. We innovate in software. We use the best hardware available at the time. And the 8700, A700S are certainly testaments to our prowess in hardware. Our partnership with Samsung shows that we are not slouches in the hardware department. But ultimately, we try to innovate in software because then you can use it everywhere, backwards and forwards throughout history and time uh, for you using our technology. Vendors that pick hardware end up stuck. One of the things we see is um, file analytics is really about, you know, getting lots and lots of data in a single namespace. What we've done with uh, NetApp Flex, Flex Groups is given you the ability with high performance doing a metadata redirection. We're basically giving you the ability to contain, take multiple volumes, contain them together using dedupe, using compression, using volume encryption. And you have an ability to stripe the data up to 20 petabytes in a single file system. You can do that as NFS. You can't stripe it. Well, the, the data can be spread. Yes. Spread across... I like to think of it as fertilizing <laughs> your data infrastructure. You're spreading the seeds of data. Okay, that's the rest of that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think the key thing about Flex Groups is it allows you to create a single container on NFS v3 or totally. SMB3 yeah. and to sp spread that data across multiple volumes while preserving your deduplication, your compression, your volume-based encryptions. Um, you get a, a nice single namespace, a single mount point uh, that you can write data to, so those sloppy, poorly designed applications can deal with just you know, writing their data across um, a single mount point across many controllers up to 24 nodes. Um, what that gives you the ability to do is file analytics. You can get incredible densities with our 15.3 terabyte SSDs and the A700S. Um, you can get you know, 40 gig Ethernet connectivity, 32 gig fiber channel connectivity, if that's a requirement as well, from the same system. But you can have, you know, shared environments running uh, 40 gig Ethernet NFS and use that for, you know, whatever file analytics you're doing. And we're seeing EDA, genomics. We're seeing hedge funds with custom written applications. We're seeing PAX environments. We're seeing all kinds of environments. But the coolest thing about it, it you can't do with anyone else's gear is you can take a snapshot and you can snap mirror it. It is the only method on the planet that has any chance of success of backing up and recovering a 20 petabyte object. 
And that's not trivial because analytics used to be something you kind of did in the background, maybe mm. marketing did. Now analytics is becoming something that you do in the foreground. It's linked up to websites. It's real time. These are things people are using for, you know, Internet of Things. Yeah. And that's really becoming critical that those things be back up and recoverable. So Flash combined with Flex groups combined with the densities achievable with the A700S and the throughput. You can really go places with your solutions you've never been. And that's been really cool for me talking with customers. They love the options it opens up for them. Um, other vendors on the market are working on their own file analytics solutions based on Flash, but they don't do dedupe. They don't scale to as many nodes. They can't scale to as large of a, a namespace. And what you find is, is they have no backup and recovery strategy for those solutions. So you're pretty much stuck. And then on top of that, with our um, AltaVault integrations, we can also back that up to the cloud. So the 20 petabyte limit, that's really kind of not really a total limit. That's just kind of like, hey, we did 10 nodes, we tested it out, 20 petabytes, right? Yeah. Reality is, is there's no architectural limit. So you're not dealing with 20 petabytes. You're dealing with 20 petabytes plus whatever, however many volumes you can throw at it. Across 24 nodes, I mean, you, you're looking at maybe 100 petabytes in some cases, right? Um, and what you're looking at with this is, a, is a, you know, infinitely scalable it's redirecting based on metadata. So it's an elegantly simple approach, right? We didn't just re-architect the entire file system. We said, you know what? Flex files are pretty good. Let's use those. <laughs> exactly. Right? And just put them in there and just started redirecting things to them. The other thing I'd like to point out is you're not just getting capacity, but you're getting performance because you're able to multitask basically across your node. Each node has a maximum of like four affinities per aggregate, eight affinities per node, which means you can do parallel processing up to eight. With a FlexVault, you're doing serial operations with the metadata. So if you're using one single FlexVault, you're doing you know a single stream to that FlexVault. If you're using eight FlexVaults, you now have eight streams. And you get to go across eight affinities in the node, and you get eight, you know, up to two to six times the performance with the penalties for remote traffic and everything. So you know you're getting better performance, you're getting better management capability, like you said, with the applications. And, and really the applications, regardless if they suck or not, what you're doing is you're telling the storage administrators that the application owners do not care about the storage. What they care about is give me a bucket, and it's got to be this big, and I need this many IOPS, and do it. And that's what you can do with the Flex Group. You do it, and you do it with a single click on your, your web GUI, and you're done. Yeah, I um, similarly, the, the, I'm, I, I've been excited about the, the, the same uh, sort of, of a path, but for me, the workload that I keep coming back to is is Hadoop with their NFS connector, yes. because that's that's a workload where you can take the the best practice, you know, data scientist doctrine layout and go, okay, here is the hardware bomb to do that. All right, we can go get Hortonworks, and here's what that looks like to put in your data center. Now, here's an alternate where we're going to use data on tap, right? And when you just take a look at the amount of kit and infrastructure and the data flows and what the day-to-day -day operations look like, like you're not just, you know, bringing snap. It's not just the ability to back this stuff up, which is something that is huge because you can't do it outside of that. You're right. Getting getting a point in time recovery over 20 petabytes, good luck. It's not going to happen. It just takes too long to amass that much data. And the amount of time that you can get a good checkpoint, it's moved on you, right? Unless you have something like array-based snapshots that can do it in place instantaneously uh, without losing those, those point in times. But also, we're bringing the, 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 these the general concept of pooled storage, right? The, the, the advantages of RAID, quite frankly, and, and our combined storage efficiencies. And then when you start to combine in the advantages of flex groups, it really starts to just, as they say, turn it to 11, right? 
And that's what we're seeing the customers respond to. You know, we go in and we see people with NFS performance issues and, and NetApp customers with NFS performance problems who are architected on seven mode systems or architected on early CDOT systems where they couldn't scale the performance sufficiently for some of the volumes. Now we're seeing them look at this and go, I can take this, you know, all the way up to 24 nodes of, you know, 16 gigabytes per second per, per HA pair is, is possible in some of our architectures. So you can see some really impressive numbers out there. Yeah, it's a true scale-out file system. And if you're interested, we actually talked a little bit about Flex Group and Hadoop in episode 68. Brought Karthik on and talked big data. Sweet. So we actually he actually did some testing on Flex Group. And actually, I have it on my action items to do some <laughs> testing on my own and throw some performance numbers out there eventually. Sweet. So we'll get to that uh, in, the, in the near future. You do that with some A700S, which you need to do. Ah, I wish. I'm using whatever Karthik's let me use. Uh, we, his lab has. We've got an A700 at a hedge fund right now doing a POC, so I'll make sure you get those results. There we go. Excellent. All right, Andy, thanks so much for joining us today, talking about the A700S and all those beautiful, beautiful performance numbers we're getting. Um, if you're interested in learning more about the A700S, you can check out the website at netup.com or talk to your nearest sales rep. I am sure they'll be more than happy to fit you into their schedule for a nice A700S out there. So, all right, thanks again, Andy. Thanks, everyone. 2.4 million IOPS here for the uh, SPC1 numbers on the A700S systems. Uh, Sub-millisecond latency, in fact, 0.7 average milliseconds there. So that's pretty impressive. And that's just one generation attached from the last one we did. That's phenomenal. 880 yeah. to this. 4X, the IOPS, what was it, 4X, 685? Not quite. Close, almost 4X. Almost yeah, 4X four, IOPS yep. in one generation with a quarter of the space. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, we've learned a lot of lessons over the past year or so. You know, we've learned how to make things more compact. We've learned how to, you know, make our paths more efficient. And really, I think throwing more paths at it really helps a lot, I would imagine, being able to do more and have that resiliency there as well. That's, that's a real plus. Uh, Chad and Jim, thanks so much for joining us today. How would people get in touch with you if they wanted to get in touch with you to learn more about this stuff? It's jim.lang, that's L-A-I-N-G, at netapp.com. All right, and Chad, do you, do you want you don't want to? You can. I'm I'm mchad at netapp.com. All right, and Chad actually has done a lot of work with some automation suites, so we um, we expect more great things from Chad about his automation in the near future. Um, I've actually leaned on him quite a bit with the Flex Group testing, so uh, that's been that's been essential to what I've been doing as a TME for Flex Group. All right, Jim, Chad, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, anytime you want to come back and talk performance and talk numbers, we can do that for sure. Sounds good. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, which today was just me, thanks for listening. And thank you, Chad Morgan, sir, and Jim Lang for joining us and touting those awesome SPC1 numbers. Four million IOPS. That is fantastic. Sub millisecond latency. Okay, that's pretty cool. cool. I'm not going to do much more time. Is it just me that's getting enjoying this? Oh, yeah.